Welcome to Queer Dust Stories. It's me, Moon. Ah, and here we are. December. The countdown is already on. Am I right? To the happiest time of year? Well, for some of us, that's not so. I mean, listen, we've got Hanukkah, we've got Christmas, we've got Christmas Eve, we've got Kwanzaa, we've got all kinds of holidays. And togetherness and sparkling lights and presents. But for me, to be honest, this time of year has always been a struggle. I think probably because, you know, I've shared before that I'm adopted and my family was um, a blended family. So there's just a lot of grief around not belonging or, or missing people or disconnection. So this year, I'm actually putting a lot of intention around trying to be peaceful with loving parts of it and not loving all of it. I love the lights. I love the togetherness. I love the solstice. (laughs) I don't love the consumerism or the forced kind of everyone must feel so happy because it's Christmas. You know what I'm saying? Not so much. So that's why I really love this guest, Dee, who you might know as Adventures of Grief Girl on Instagram, because she really gets it. And I just want to say to you now that these conversations that I'm sharing with you are complicated, right? They're not necessarily light and love and everything's better with some mindfulness. In fact, a lot of times, people are just in grief, and that is okay. And that's what Dee and I were talking about, how grief is an everyday adventure. And because it's an everyday adventure, we just have to respect that it makes us powerless, and we're not here to say anything, to make it go away. We're just here to witness and take care of each other and she shares her story which is pretty intense about the death of her daughter around Christmas time and I know she would agree with me so I'm just gonna say that as much as I want you to listen and and learn and and hear her story I also really implore you to take care of yourself Maybe today is not the day you need to hear this story. Because it is sad. It is heartbreaking. It is devastating. And she does cry. And she does laugh. And we had an amazing first conversation. So I just want to say that you're not alone. I'm here for you. You can always reach out to me. 
And if you want to tell your story, even better. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did having it, and I will be back afterwards. Thank you so much for listening. Yay, welcome Dee. So good to meet you. So great to meet you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being um, able to uh, be here and give up some of your quiet this morning, <laughs> which we're just talking about. Oh, uh, yes. I know it's precious. Yes. Well, this kind of counts as my quiet because I get to talk to somebody else rather than, you know, just what's going on in my home. Right. Time, so, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a different kind of quiet for me. So I right. like I like this. Yeah. So um, we were just talking about the availability of being able to support people from our own homes. So that's, mm-hmm. that's what you, that's been like your experience. Oh, yes. Pandemic or before pandemic? Uh, before pandemic, probably. Wow. Um, just because like the use of social media, the use of like, you, you know, we don't have to really meet in person all the time now in order to be helpful which I think is a really glorious thing and and now it's more pronounced by the pandemic so it's like why not capitalize on that yeah it's it the work is the work it's going to always be the work you know no matter what vehicle it's in yeah so and especially since like your um your focus is grief Mm -hmm. um that does kind of lend to being more still being more you know in in my experience with supporting people through grief it makes more sense to just be at home you know mm-hmm. versus you don't have to go to a funeral home or right. to a hospital or to hospice right. right well i think there's something really important about being in places that you're comfortable mm-hmm. um and able to be yourself and it's not necessarily you have to hold it all together it's you're in a safe space to do whatever you need to do you know you're you're at home and you know home for I I envision home for most people to be a place of comfort and a place where they can really you know filter through or you know go through whatever they need to go through without having to feel shame without having to um, you know, put on a brave face for somebody else out in public, or you, you know how it is, you're dancing around a subject in the psychologist's office because you don't want to be called crazy, right. <laughs> or you don't want to be, you, you know, you don't want to be that guy, right, <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, it, and it happens, and it's like, you know, realistically, the things that we go through in grief, it's you cannot put it in just any container. Right. You know, it's you need room. You need a lot of room to breathe. <laughs> I was amazed when I found out um, when I was helping someone through grief uh, last year um, that, you know, their therapist was like, oh, I don't really, I don't really do grief. You should. Right find someone specifically and I thought that's really cool yeah very self like very Mm self-aware but also fascinating because I'm thinking Mm -hmm. how do you tease that out of the rest of your your life and your experience um Mm -hmm. because for me 
grief started a long time ago, right? And so it's been this whole experience all attached to all the sadness, all the heartbreak, all the information. Um, I guess, um, you know, what I'm asking you is like what your thoughts are about that. I mean, I, I can see like where a very specific incident, you know, would require a separate, um, person. Um, but I'm just really, I'm really excited that this is emerging as something outside of just like going to the, you know, shrink or, you know, going to. Right. So that, I think what you said about the therapist saying they need to find somebody specific for that, that is, I feel very true Mm -hmm. because if that's not your line of work, then you too can fall into those traps of if you just or at least or you know the cliches that happen right inside of of the grieving process from from the outside um you know and in being smart enough to know that this is not your <laughs> practice and to say please find somebody else to do that with you because you need somebody to do it with you it's mm-hmm. not i got to go to the psychologist's office every week and this is what i'm working on this is an everyday adventure every single day depending on what the traumatic event is and again depending on what has happened to this person before whatever the event is that's now the catalyst for the grief that's going on for the rest of their life Mm -hmm. that's what you're dealing with it's not just a singular event it's everything that you've ever been through one on top of the other in between each other, laced together, braided up. It's like they don't, it doesn't leave. It doesn't right. leave. It's right. not a thread you can pull from a sweater and hope the whole sweater doesn't unravel. Like, you're going to have some holes mm-hmm. <laughs> because that's one piece of thread. Like, it's one, it's one piece. It's one piece. It's not separate balls of yarn. It's one piece. And so, that in and of itself is a whole caseload work right so you know I I agree with that and I think that we need more even even people who aren't psychologists can do this work um I am a fan of therapy I like sure I advocate for it it's like go 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 right but in our currently in our system of how of medical system it's like we get what 12 sessions Yeah. Do you know anybody that can <laughs> resolve this in 12 <laughs> seconds? Right. And then if you can afford it or if you're And then if you can afford it, it. So it's accessibility. It's like, you know, all right. these things that are tied together. So, you know, I think that is what really kind of informed the way I told my story. Mm-hmm. And, and I tell my story just because it's like I, I need people to know that they're not alone. It's right. not because I need all this attention. It's not because I like the attention. It's I needed a lot of attention when that impact happened to me. Right. And I needed to know that I was not the only person going through this and that like if, if I could put words to it, that somebody was gonna say, Hey, I'm right here. I know exactly what you're saying. And that's normal. Not, you know, uh, 
you're hanging on to this for too long or it's you know I'm even crying just thinking about it because it's so important it's so important we can no longer keep sweeping these things under the rug and acting like you know this year has gone by and now everything's okay right back to normal whatever that was to normal I will never be the person I was right because now I know what I know you know I know what I know I'm not guessing and a lot of times we are made to feel like we're guessing and then we start second guessing ourselves and then that's where the crazy making starts to happen Mm -hmm. yeah we get gas so gaslit by you know society yeah I was just listening to um I don't know if you're familiar with the author Stephen Jenkinson he's pretty revered in like academic death work but he's also kind of cool he's kind of he started hospice in um in uh canada long time ago but one of the things that he was saying because i i don't always listen to him but um i appreciate exactly what you're just saying like uh there is no normal there's no you know we have i think people like us we're really kind of just open to the uncertainty Mm -hmm. and not saying you know that we know but we have an understanding that we're powerless Mm -hmm. and so we just have to kind of like embrace that and support each other (laughs) yes because we're all in the same situation you know like Mm -hmm. you were saying earlier it's not these like little boxes that we fall into it's the whole experience of being people um, yeah in pain or in vicarious pain Mm -hmm. um which is still totally 100 legitimate Mm -hmm. (laughs) so um yeah it's kind of scary to think about because i guess i don't talk enough to people who are in this mindset that you know back to back to the grind back to work back to that's Mm -hmm. over i see it Mm -hmm. you know but i also um I don't live that way. So like right. you, it's just kind of like being with it. Yeah. And and this is going to go to work with me. It's going to go, you know, to the grocery store. It's, it's going to go everywhere with me. It's going to go to every party. It's going to go to every uh, holiday, every, every function, everything. Like right. it's always there. And, you know, people don't know what to do with that. They don't know that even in our joyful experiences it's like you know telling somebody to only hold on to the good memories it's like I cannot cut off my arm and pretend like I didn't cut off my arm because the essence of my arm is still there (laughs) you know yeah I know I'm supposed to have an arm and how do you reconcile that by saying only focus on only like that's it's consider the whole and it's fine to do that I know it's too much but I don't have a choice yeah because I can't just ignore ignore it grief is not going to let you ignore it for too long (laughs) you know I don't think I've met anybody who has been able to master that Right. As well as they think they are doing. Because I'm inside of that that place, 
I can see the behaviors. I can see the trauma responses very right. clearly. You know, even if they look shiny and bedazzled and wonderful, you know, like mm-hmm. that hyper productivity, like, oh, look, I've made, you know, I, I'm, I am that person. Like I will build a whole shrine <laughs> for you. That is literally my trauma response. Right. It's to honor what has happened. So what, what got you like, so did you start working in grief because of your grief? Like I know I started the path of becoming a death worker after like a really significant death in my life. Um, I was like, oh, actually this has been going on for a lot, like a lot longer than I'm really willing to look at. Um, and also I just didn't, I didn't know, you know what I didn't know. Um, I was sharing with someone yesterday that this week was like coming out day, you know, which I think is great. You know, people telling their coming out stories to represent. I was Mm -hmm. thinking coming out as queer was a lot less, um, complicated in in some ways versus coming out as a deaf worker. (laughs) (laughs) Like speaking yeah. of a party, you're like, yeah. hi, what do you do? Oh, okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> Weirdo. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, that's a great question. Um, I feel like I, I, as I have been alone with myself a lot these last couple of years, I have really gotten the chance to do a lot of um, investigation of my past. Hmm, I love that. Yeah. Um, just, you know, and it, things just kind of come up. And so I've really just been grieving something my entire life. Something, someone. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a lot of trauma. There's just grief has been a part of my whole entire life. So from my birth to right now. Right. Whether it was me witnessing my mother's grief over all the things that she was grieving um, and having to deal with her responses to her grief mm-hmm. um, or my father or my brother or you know my aunts my uncles everyone right around me and then my own like my own trauma separate from my family so I think it's just always been part of my life and it's always been part of what I do and maybe not for work where I get paid, but it was always just part of the work that is part of the process, part of living is part of, is part of who I am. Honestly, like I've never not been grieving. I don't know myself as a non griever. Yeah. I relate to that very much. Yeah. So, um, and then in doing my art installations I think it was more pronounced like this is what I'm supposed to be doing because it's what I've always been doing so here I am (laughs) it's like I I have to do what I'm supposed to do period so the art installations like the shrines you were saying they they kind of materialize out of like your your grief or or witnessing other people's grief Mm -hmm. I love that um, my the, the installations that I've done in the past were really based around my own experience of grief um, with losing my daughter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she died of a rare genetic condition. 
when she was four years old on Christmas Day. It's like I can't even I can't make this stuff up. Right. It's it's <laughs> like it is the wildest adventure of all, honestly. Um, just when I look back at her and her whole life and, and what we were talking about before, there's so much for me to unpack in this particular um, traumatic event. So, you know, this requires stamina mm-hmm. that, you know, a lot of people don't think about that. This requires a lot of mental energy. It's not just, whoa, you don't know. It's, you know, folks really like to romanticize what, <laughs> what grief is and and oh it's full of love and it's full of like oh it's just gonna be fine and and you're gonna be fine and I'm so sorry and you know they walk away from it but we don't walk away from it how can we like you know that's really my question to people how can how can we walk away from this yeah yeah I don't and expect to never be affected again. Yeah, I think it's something that people really, um, until they go into that or they have that experience, they just really have no concept, which is why it's so important that people who do are, Mm -hmm. you know, offering like you are. Absolutely. I was saying this yesterday in my, my experience, just briefly, um, you know, in the deaf community, so few people really want to lean into grief. Mm-hmm. It's usually, you know, I want to work with the dying. Mm-hmm. I want to, you know, um, you know, work with spirit. I want to work in a funeral home. Mm-hmm. But like, they want to, they want to dance around that grief part, right? It's so interesting. They want to dance around it because it's, it's like <laughs> you don't know the steps. You don't know the steps. And grief will teach you. But if you're trying to sidestep and walk around it and not be with it, you, you're not going to, you, you are bypassing. Right. A very full experience. And no, it's not all us just lying down and, and you know, crying and deep mourning and never leaving the house again while that certainly is part of it you know we don't talk enough about the dualities that we hold like you know I still smile I still laugh things I don't laugh as hard as I used to but I still laugh (laughs) you know I still find joy in places joy finds me and it's undeniable so I don't deny it a lot of people deny it because of the guilt, the survivor's guilt, like the, oh my God, I'm, I'm here and I'm laughing and I shouldn't be while my baby's dead. Like, well, okay. Both of those things are true though. Right. Right. One doesn't cancel out the other. Yeah. That's so interesting because It's like you don't want to tell someone who's grieving <laughs> that that's expected in a way mm-hmm. because I mean there is no real like like we were saying there's no like real normal because mm-hmm. everybody's got their experience but yeah it is it's kind of typical that you know this feeling of um, of guilt or shame um, 
and denial and questioning all these things yeah like there's so much a part of it yeah um so do you find that you know the more you share your experience your story you know that it does kind of unburden you from some pieces of that pain I would say there's no wrong answer I'm just curious (laughs) right 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 right. right. um I would say not that it it unburdens I say that it makes it easier to carry it's still heavy Mm -hmm. but the way I like that I like that I do distributed among the populace or whoever's there to support you yeah when they're listening when they're not trying to fix you when they're not trying to like decide for you when it's time for you to feel better when they're not trying to um, remind you it's like you know they give you the room to just be whatever it's going to be no matter how long that is that's the key part is no matter how long that is and so there's a thing for for supporters that's grief fatigue Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so because this is tiring for people who aren't going through it and so those people also need support those people also need room to not be carrying the whole thing all the time so again your support system you have to really build it and you have to and you have to really think about you know I can't go to certain people and those are those are kind of those places where you have to have some radical acceptance of like oh shit I have to like not talk to this person because they can't properly support me and it's not about them being well-meaning. It's not about them loving me. It's not right. about any of that shit. It's like, you know what? I don't have the space to be safe or and I'm not safe here. No matter how much you love me or think you love me or how helpful you think you're being, this is not helpful for me. And a lot of us as grievers can't say that to those people without them getting offended. So we've got to right. carry, <laughs> we got to carry a lot of shit. And this right. is where I come in and I'm like, you don't got to carry all that that down it's not you're not slamming the door in these people's faces you're saying i am not safe here to talk to you about this so i'm not going to talk to you about this and i don't have to justify it to you i don't explain it to you nothing that's when the support like when that it feels easier to carry i love that because what i'm i'm just like hearing you know you're kind of talking about like the architecture of grief Mm-hmm. Which, you know, um, I, I really, I hadn't really thought about that before in that mm-hmm. way, but you're right. And I'm so happy to meet you because um, I'm like, I'm going to send people to you. <laughs> like, it's, it's so rare to meet someone who's like really present yeah. in the experience and able to explain it. And I think what you're saying is like, it's really difficult to teach people while you're in it. You're it like, is. This is how you can support me, mm-hmm. but I'm also breaking down. Right. Um, 
Yeah, and like, and it's always with those relationships that are a little too close anyway, like family members that know you too well and Mm -hmm. want you to be like funny like you used to be or excited about whatever. Their needs for you supersede your own needs. And that's where, that's the danger zone. Right. We cannot be in that space together because I cannot carry both of these things. I have to put a lot of shit down in order to do even what you're asking me to do. And then I got to keep notes on how you want me to do it in order for you to feel better about what I'm going through and I still don't feel better. It's lopsided. It's hard. It's it's like, it's, this is one of those insidious things that we don't really talk about that's happening. We lump it in with secondary losses, which that's all true. But when we get down to it, the, the structure of that, the hierarchy of like, you need to feel better so that I can feel better so that I know that you feel better so that I can leave you alone <laughs> so that I can, so that I can go ahead and live my life. What if you don't expect them to feel better and then suddenly they start feeling better right because they're not worried about how you feel about how they feel about what they're going through you're right it takes so much room it takes <laughs> yeah, so much you need, space right we need room and we have this desire to protect people and you know um, I was listening to Renee Brown the other day and she was on with Tabrana Burke and Tabrana Burke bought up the oh my gosh I lost it that's okay <laughs> like, um that thing it's it's just that well it was also a conversation about holding those dualities about like you know I can be experiencing this and you can and and about protecting somebody and that desire comes from love like when you mm-hmm. want to protect somebody from something there it is um you can't protect people from grief right (laughs) you cannot like there is no shield that you can use to protect somebody from the impact of what they've been through no matter how much you love them there is no weapon there is no shield there is no bubble you can put them in so that they're never again affected like this work is very delicate but it's also very strong work and resilience is not about being able to be in the same situation and not react to it it's it's just that's what I've learned about grief it's like you're going to react to that and it's okay to react to that. Plain and simple. And then I can move to the next thing. And then I can accept that, hey, these people aren't equipped to help me because they don't know, they have no idea what I'm going through. They can't help me build something they don't have the blueprints for. Right. <laughs> and I have to create my own blueprint. So like it ain't gonna look like what yours looks like. You know, you, you might be a religious person and your blueprint will look very different from mine. And so we need room in all of the areas 
so we get to these places where we're so disrespectful of people's processes and how they choose to move inside of the trauma that they're in instead of giving them tools or showing them tools and letting them figure out how to use them like in the in the way that's going to serve them the best way and and giving them room to say hey this tool doesn't work for me thank you though you know that's that's a, this is this is a crazy this is crazy because you have to lay down everything you think you know about everything in order to help somebody in order to support somebody in order to help them carry whatever it is that they're carrying I don't know if you're planning on writing a book, but I'm just imagining like <laughs> it's going to be this amazing book about architecture. And I do, I, I feel like, you know, when you're talking about that, it's sort of like, oh, you've got a broken window. Okay, mm-hmm. let me come over with my hammer, and I don't know how to fix a window, so I'm just right. This, but like, I would call somebody. I'd be like, help, <laughs> please come over. Um, but you know, okay, well, we're going to repair it to look like it used to. Uh Um, but really what you're suggesting is like, nope, that window is going to look completely different and Uh you just have to accept that, you know, it used to be this stained glass window and now it's really clear Uh and this is how it was repaired, you know, so I'm kind of walking with you. I was just thinking also, like when you were talking about carrying, um, grief with each other, I was thinking about the significance of like, you know, in traditional funeral where you carry the, you have the pallbearers carry. I was like, oh, that's really what that's about. It's like you're shouldering, um, you're putting it usually on the strongest part of your community, men, Uh sorry, but you know, could be women too, or Uh not non-gendered, but like, yeah, usually the young men are called to carry that, um, and it's it's an honor to be asked um, to that, help. and they have the strength and the stamina to do so. Yeah, you know, like the, all of the correlations that we can um, make. You know, and I, one of my favorite gifs is of an African funeral procession where there's these beautiful men carrying this casket, but they're dancing. Like oh, they're God. dancing the whole time with this casket and they're doing like these <laughs> sensational moves all while carrying this dead body. Beautiful. And so it's like the it, it it's for me the joy and also the grief in the morning being carried by the community, the strongest, the ones with the most stamina, the honored, the you know, you know what you have to do here. Right. You know, it's a ritual. You know what you have to do here. And we don't instill that enough. You know, it's expected of us, but we don't teach people how to do it at all. Like we, why? (laughs) Why is that? Why is that such a, forgive me, dead space? And then what happens like, okay, so you have this sort of, um, you know, this sort of uh, 
what is the word I'm looking for? Like where, you know, pageantry, where you have people caring. Okay, but then what about afterwards? Right. You know, you've gone so far to have people dress up or, or however you express, you know, in your, in your community, this is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. But then afterwards, where is the, like you're saying, why is it a dead space? Yeah. Um, because really, you know, that's where people really need that strength. Right. And they need people to ask them, what can I do for you? You know, um, I know it's like really difficult to like, you know, you've been emotional and I was thinking about like, um, for a lot of people that would be very hard to see you cry, Uh but like, I don't feel the need to fix you. Uh I just feel like you just need to be seen. Right. And I don't feel like I need to not cry. (laughs) Like It's pretty simple. (laughs) It's pretty simple. And it's, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily need um you know an abundance of comfort in the sense that like oh I know this is really hard for you it's incredibly hard and it's been hard it's been almost eight years this year it will be eight years since my daughter died and it's not easier it's not less heavy it's not further away I haven't forgotten you know if people really knew how many times a day I relive her life and have to keep going you know that's you can't (laughs) that's not something I can just make a clean break with and decide that I'm never going to think about that again you know I can't just think about uh, the beautiful parts of her life it was so short without thinking of all of her trauma. You know, the medical trauma that she had to endure. Right. The medical trauma that I had to watch, that I couldn't do anything about, that I couldn't protect her from, that I couldn't save her. You know, that's really traumatizing. And it it affects my living children because they can't do a lot of stuff without me freaking the fuck out. (laughs) <laughs> you know yeah no so, I was actually like, thinking what what is that how does that impact your relationship yeah because they're little I mean for, right. for people who don't know about you right they are little uh 10 and 6 and so you know it's that little one especially like ooh, she's <laughs> a firecracker and like has no sense of um being unsafe I was talking to a dear friend of mine about this just yesterday. We were on a little drive to go help someone. And we were discussing how, you know, that's a real big trigger for me. And they don't get to do a lot of things because immediately I see danger. I smell it. I can taste it. Something's going to happen. She's not going to listen to me. I'm not going to be able to save her. And everything's going to go to shit. And we're going to have a horrible fucking time, (laughs) you know? And so, and it's paralyzing a lot of the times so it's like I can't even go skiing with my son because I cannot watch him careening down a mountain at breakneck speeds because all I can see is him flying off the side of this mountain (laughs) and (laughs) shit's gonna get real and I'm not gonna be able to save him right and it's not limited to my children so it's you know my spouse it's anybody that I care about deeply and then it's any it's just anybody in general 
It's like, I'm not going to be able to save you. And this is going to be bad. And then I have a full ass panic attack and then a whole anxiety attack. And then I'm like, I just can't go anywhere. I have to, I have to, I have to just not watch. I have to not go. I have to not, <laughs> you know, I have to not be present while you go do this dangerous shit you want to do. So I don't know. Um, and, and both of my kids are very adventurous people. <laughs> well, I mean, you are adventure and grief girl. So they get it honest. And I can they see. Did. They got it very honestly. They did. And and so that's, you know, that's a constant struggle for me now. So it's, it's like you, I have to be in like five places at one time. So like I can't even like who has the energy for that? Right. <laughs> who who has the energy for that so it's like again it, it looks different for for everyone but you know that's that's one of the things that i've really uh, been able to identify better um more precisely with words um in the last two years is because i'm like that's exactly what it is it's like i cannot save you or i'm not going to be able to save you you know after my spouse and i were doing resuscitation on our daughter like we didn't we couldn't save her that's a hard that's a hard hit to reconcile because it's a fact it's not me imagining some kind of danger that didn't happen and so when i look at it that way I'm like, okay, this, this is bigger than what people think it is because they weren't there. They weren't there. They weren't holding their child's dead body in their arms. So they have zero clue. And when they're giving advice, like you just have to Hmm. insert anything here. Right. It really sets my nerves on fire because again they're speaking like they're speaking to someone who's having an imaginary (laughs) scenario it's not a regular panic attack it's not a regular anxiety attack it doesn't stem from oh I've catastrophized some horrible thing in my life no I've had actual catastrophe and my child is dead for it not I imagined that they were going to die. No, this really happened to me. So, like, don't come in here telling me that I just have to breathe through it. Mm. And it's not really happening. So you can't treat those things the same way. Um, no, you can't. You know? It reminds me very much of, of my experience with post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh-huh. And, um, you know... For other people who don't have a relationship with that, good. Right. I don't I'm want so you happy to. for you. I am so happy for you. You're so lucky. You're so blessed mm-hmm. because it is creepy and it will show up at times when you think you're supposed to be the happiest or um, you know, you think you've got it covered, whatever yeah. it is. There's just, you know, again, like there's no controlling it it's just being with it um right and like when you're saying about you know 
your fears around um, safety. I know I, I have to, my wife is very much an adventurer. Leo, <laughs> larger than life, Greek, yes. Italian, you know, and let's do this. You know, and I'm like, hell no. I am not the reason. (laughs) Yes. Life has taught me. Death has taught me. Yeah. And so I, I know sometimes it's irrational seeming, but um, also like we've had to work a lot in our relationship with just identifying it and not letting it, you know, end us because my fears are you know ruining our vacation or whatever holiday or whatever right it is. everything sorry <laughs> my bad like, you know, <laughs> i i don't yeah no like i don't know like what you've been through i i have not experienced but i i definitely hear my story where it's like yeah this was this was real this really happened to me and i have to just take care of my feelings yep and can't take care of everybody else's sorry exactly yeah yeah it's 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 tricky it's delicate again like i said it's delicate work and so we i think need to be more mindful about when we're helping someone you know I know I know a lot of you know mindfulness experts and things and and, uh you know uh, people who coach and and do all the mindfulness exercises and all of that stuff and while those things are very helpful tools to have Mm -hmm. not the end all be all cure because every single person is different and every single situation is different and when you are dealing with somebody with complex PTSD those things as beautiful as they are they're not always helpful and so being able to say that and be okay with that and I because I think a lot of practitioners what tends to happen is that they wrap their effectiveness up in how their tools work for people right and so you know it's your it turns into well if you don't do the work then it's not going to happen well while that is very true we the thing is we can't skip over the part where this needs room to breathe you cannot put this fire out you know you have Mm -hmm. to take care of it you have to take care of it you cannot force those flames to be done in that manner you know i do yeah i'm just like i'm just following you because i'm like yes absolutely i am like yeah the desire of course is to make it go away make it stop please tell me how i can you know um what i can do And on the other side of that, you know, it's like, well, there's, you know, like you said, it's going to be there always. And if it's like a fire and you're just tending it, you know, for some people, the fire goes completely out Mm -hmm. and they're like, 
pain comes from having no ignition at all mm-hmm. because you know just got right and wiped even out. if the fire is out the embers can still be glowing and they will still be very hot it's still painful and it will still be very painful and it will still be you know burning you from the inside so while people think they put the fire out with their wonderful concoctions and ideas and thoughts and and cliches and you know mindfulness measures we're doing the work that nobody is looking at I love mindfulness. I appreciate it when it's also served with reality. But it's not just like, okay, you know, these and are some exercises. Fun. Right. And they lived happily ever <laughs> No. I mean, that's it, what it starts sounding like after a while because I'm like, y'all are tripping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> y'all, are, y'all are tripping. And, and again, like, I have. I am a mindfulness practitioner. I'm certified. I like, but I can poke holes in all of it. Right. Because I know what I know, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and, and it's okay. It's not that the tools don't work is that they don't work for everything. Like, you know, yeah, it's not a one size fits all. Right. You know, even Swiss army knives have multiple tools on them. Mm-hmm. But you need tools for different <laughs> things, right? You know, I'm just not going to hand somebody a spoon, make do with what you got. You know, yeah. So, hey, you know, it, you need even to build a house. You need more than a hammer and nails. You know, you need more than just. Like, you know, while, yeah, you can do that, but we don't, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel here. Right. Right. I think that kind of is the, um, you know, with the emergence of death being now, you know, more commodified. Um, mm-hmm. That's great. Because I think that there really should be more of us in places for grievers and for people who need um, someone to walk them through the steps of um, helping the dying. Absolutely. But mm-hmm. like, it isn't, it isn't new. You know, there's this whole um, ancestral component of people going to people in the villages or, in, you know, towns, communities, whatever you want to call them. And, you know, it could be the person who does your hair. It could be the person, you know, like it doesn't have to be look a certain kind of way, but this has always been, you know, part of tradition and, um, somewhere along the line, we kind of lost that as a whole. Mm -hmm. I know it still exists, but like Mm -hmm. as a a whole, um, So and true. Now, it's, now it's like, hey, there's this brand new shiny idea. It's like, actually, uh-huh. that's been happening. Exactly. You know. You know, like I, I'm not trying to be the rock star or the per- poster person for grief and grieving, but I also know what I'm talking about. You know, and there are surprises. There's things that happen. You know, that I don't expect. 
in my grief. There's things that happen in my life and I don't respond to them the same way. You know, ways that I would have responded before this last straw for me, you know, um, that has, you know, even made me more clear and more aware and more mindful, if you will, mm-hmm. <laughs> about, um, about the way I go about supporting people, you know? Yeah. And, and again, it looks different. My support looks different with every single person that I talk to. Like, it doesn't look the same. You know, some, I, like, I had, I have a friend who I would talk to every day almost for like six or seven hours because of like what we were both going through and the things that I was suggesting to them and how they could proceed in their grief. They were saying that they'd never been told those kinds of things before. Like it was okay to take your baby's memory with you. Like why, Mm -hmm. why wouldn't you? Like, I can't understand why somebody (laughs) would say you need to forget this and you need to let go of this and you Mm -hmm. need to um, never talk about this again. And I'm like, that sounds like the quickest way to make somebody crazy. Right. Like, while you think that's a helpful thing to say to someone, are you serious? You expect somebody who's created an entire human being with their body to forget that that happened or to let go of that? What a notion. What a notion. <laughs> like, I have to literally, um, l- like, not be on this planet anymore. Yeah. Like, what, what you're asking me to do is essentially is to be dead. Right. And I know that's not what you meant, <laughs> but <laughs> right. that's what you're asking. Yeah, that that is um it's hard to believe, honestly. Um, but it is it's not it's not really uncommon, unfortunately. Um you know, I've I've heard other people's grief stories too, and it's it's very much like, well, you know, like you said, it's, it's a you've got to move on kind of yeah. prescription. And um, I'm like you, I'm, I'm definitely not about that. So sorry yeah. if I. She goes where I go, period. Right. Like, if you don't like it, then you don't, you're not with me. It's plain and simple. Like, you're just not, you, you're not with me. If you don't like that, and that is your problem, you have the reaction that you want to have, and you have it over there. <laughs> <laughs> because I I don't have time to reroute my entire life to make you feel better. And we just ain't kicking it no more. Whether you my mama, my brother, my cousin, anybody. Because what you're asking me to do is something that I cannot and that essentially I'm not actually willing to do. So. Well, you certainly can't really teach that kind of inner wisdom. So like, you know, you really 
that's your, you know, that's really your gift because a lot of people do crumble to mm-hmm. the pressure and mm-hmm. they do swallow it mm-hmm. and deny it. And we can, like you said, we can see the sickness and how it shows up in behavior and society. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's asking way too much. Um, one of the things like I really have tried to help people understand is permission because it's something I had to learn the hard way. And like what you're saying is you have to give yourself permission to just be with your your feelings. Um, yes, permission. And you are the first and last person's permission that you need. Your permission is as good as the next guy's. Right. And like, you know, the moment that I really decided that, like, this is what I, this is how I process things. This is how I've always processed things. Like, I'm not doing anything that I wasn't always doing. (laughs) The art skill is a skill I've had since I was a kid. I've been writing poetry about the bad shit that's happened to me my whole life. (laughs) Right. Right. I've drawn a picture. I've done a dance. I've, you know, (laughs) all of this stuff. So it's like investigating myself. I have discovered that I already know how to do this. I already know how to heal myself. I already know how to like hold these two things at one time. I already know how to do it. Like I was just, it was given to me, given. Like I get, I didn't have to go cultivate it. I didn't have to ask for it. I didn't have to, you know, I, I already had it and I was already doing it. I was already using these tools. And what I'm supposed to do is show other people and encourage them to do this for themselves in whatever capacity that looks like for them. So is it building shrines? let me help you do that is it writing a book let me help you do that yes please go do that write that thing so I can tell all my friends about it (laughs) because we need that yes like yes please yes please and thank you you're gonna write a whole book of poetry about death why not why not you know I know that it looks you know contradictory that if you are fixated on death and that's all you're gonna but when are we getting away from it right when when (laughs) like are we did you know somebody create this thing where we all get to live forever (laughs) i certainly hope not (laughs) i don't know about because i mean you know and i know that it's hard to listen to somebody like constantly go on about death and dying and I think that there's um, you know people who seem morbid or would have seemed morbid before aren't very morbid at all they're just very realistic individuals Mm -hmm. and they're looking at things as they are not as you know they wish or hope they could be and this is what is and we can still make something beautiful we can still create something joyful. We can still laugh and also be mourning 
we can still be in this really deep pain and help somebody else and we're not sugarcoating it and saying that you know you you should be happy all the time who who can maintain that without trauma right who has that constant ability to just be happy all the time? Sorry, our mascots are talking now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about that. So for once, mine's asleep, but you know. <laughs> They're just speaking to it. They're like, yeah. Yes, on, on, our, on my podcast, <laughs> every time we're recording, at least one of them, <laughs> at least one of them has something to say about this grief thing. <laughs> I mean... I I completely agree with you. There's really there's really no point in trying to be happy all the time. I mean, there's mm-hmm. this quote by the sort of religious guru Osho, who uh-huh. you know, can have lots of feelings about in different ways. But one of the things that I like that he said was like, without without death, we don't have religion. And so everything about the way we live really has been defined by experiencing death and the poignancy, how it changes you. If you are lucky enough to survive, um, then you're really, yeah, you're just, the, the rest of your life is probably you know, changed, transformed by, by that death. Mm-hmm. And again, like if people haven't experienced that yet, great. <laughs> Listen, you're good left, for you. Right, wow. And I'll be here to hold you right when shit goes down because shit is inevitably going to go down you know in some way shape or form and it's not always about death in particular either so you know it's you know this whole shift we're having with our uh, society right now right you know there's a lot of people acting out of grief out of like i need normal i need yeah you do you do (laughs) i know they're there (laughs) right calm down (laughs) they're there (laughs) <laughs> it is scary uh, it is scary yeah. but like that's and the I, whole I, thing I, yeah i dislike the term new normal because mm-hmm. again that implies that like you know the implications of normal is like the expectation that things are going to be even keel or for the rest of the time or that it's just you know it's it's really um it sits differently with me. And I, that was one of the things that was one of my bigger pet peeves earlier in my grief when it was really, really, really raw. Is that, oh, you, 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 you have to get used to your new normal now. If you don't shut the fuck up, talk to me. <laughs> yeah. Because what I'm dealing with right now is hell. And I don't want that to be normal. Right. <laughs> like, I don't actually want this excruciating pain to be the only thing I fucking see for the rest of my life because that's what it feels like this is the only thing I'm going to see for the rest of my life that shit does not sound appealing to me at all and it's not normal (laughs) it's not normal for me to be burying a four year old You know, mm-hmm. it's for anyone. It's not, that's not normal. Like, 
use a different word <laughs> like i know what you think you mean but that's not how it that's not how it hits it doesn't it, that doesn't feel good to me at all i don't really know where that stems from i, I don't either honestly <laughs> i really grew up watching like a lot of um you know daytime talk shows mm-hmm. so i feel like maybe somewhere along the line like i i absolutely you know was raised on dr phil and oprah mm-hmm. same <laughs> so maybe we're just like so blessed because especially with oprah she cried mm-hmm. and she wasn't making it up mm-hmm. and i feel like um generally generationally speaking like having that every day at four o'clock on my time zone back east was mm-hmm. really like um yeah how i learned mm-hmm. like it's okay to not be fucking okay right this abuse or whatever experience trauma you have is going to be right. with you right. and you can still be okay out you know like you can right. still be part of life and you know achieve things that you want to achieve and maybe even more than you ever thought you could because of it I'm just wondering if like we were really you know fortunate to have that daily you know um yeah I watch it with my grandmother, you know, she lived with us. Right. And it was like <laughs> her stories from two o'clock on to mm-hmm. five. Um, and it commercial breaks was under like you could talk or go get iced tea or whatever. But like, yeah, I just feel like what happened? Right. You know, everybody else, did they forget? You know, because she didn't become one of the most wealthy, successful people in this planet without having so many people really resonate and it wasn't because it was like this is just great everything's right hunky-dory whatever happy whatever dumb words you know that come right exactly whatever labels we assign (laughs) you know it's kind of weird it's it's that i mean i'm all i'm all about visualization and, and envisioning you know what you um want to manifest in your life and all of that but I'm also a realist I know that things come up period whether you've envisioned them or not so it's it's it, it, it's like being able to to adapt and being able to say hey you know what um, I think that's where a lot of grief comes from too though is the expectation and the in the thinking that we get the white picket fence and we get the this and the that and the other. And I could, you know, we can say the same about marriage and like, you know, there, there's a lot that I'm grieving with my own mm-hmm. marriage that people never talk to me about and whether, and, and either they didn't talk to me about it because it wasn't their experience or they just weren't preparing us for this, you know? So folks really love to talk about how communication is the key of you you know any good relationship i think clear communication and making sure y'all both are in the same book on the same page speaking the same language is more important and and so right you know otherwise you you could both be talking and neither one of you can hear anything that's being said even though the communication is there you know so it's it's more than that it's more than you know um 
sacrifice and just deciding that you were going to suffer for somebody else, which I feel like is really unnecessary. Why we got to suffer? <laughs> like, can we all just be happy and, and experience joy and, and like really, you know, come to some, some place to where like we can acknowledge that this is hard and it's not an offense to the other. Yeah. Like the desire for like perfection. Right. And that, what if that, what does that mean? Right. Um, when there's pain involved. Where, what does that mean when there's pain involved? How do you handle, you know, your child dying? These are things you don't talk about before you get married. You know, nobody talks about that. Nobody talks about what if you have a disabled child and how will you handle that? That does actually, you know, so yes, I grew up in a time period like 80s and 90s where we had this, you know, daily, thank goodness for the talk shows, but I do feel hopeful about younger generations having technology like we were when we started out the conversation, like having more space to, you know, actually share, be it TikTok or Instagram or wherever, just and to experience, you know, more of, I mean, I know that there's like the non-reality, like airbrushing right. and all that stuff going oh, on. Oh, absolutely. There's a place for all of it, honestly. But like you were saying, now the information is not bottlenecked and, right. you, know, you know, we can, we can listen to the teenager across the country or in another country tell us their experience about a thing. So it's more broad, it's more full, it's more textured, it's more lively, it's more, you know, loving, it's more, it's more of everything and it can be overstimulating. Absolutely. But again, it is a tool. And I can say right now that I'm so impressed with these young people and how they're using these tools. Right. Um, so bravo to them for this, because it truly, it is making a difference. It's making a huge difference <laughs> in yeah. how, you know, younger people are having access to information that we didn't have access to. We had to wait until Tuesday at four o'clock. I know. <laughs> and then if you missed it. Where, and if you missed it, it, you missed you know, it. Exactly. So now the it. information is here when you're ready. Yeah. When you're ready. And you might not be ready five minutes after this trauma traumatic thing happens. But the information is not going anywhere. And it's yeah. not exclusive now. And you know, you don't have to ask anybody for it. You can find it. You can find it. And then you can build your support system that supports specifically you in the ways that you need to be supported and then you can thrive which is essentially what all those requests are from people who are trying to you know fix it or make you better like, yeah, i'm so grateful for the the community that you know has developed via instagram particularly mm -hmm. because honestly you know, like we're really there for each other in this way that like your own family can't really necessarily understand. They can't relate and they can't even put begin to put their hands out for you because they haven't dealt with any of the shit that they need to deal with. Right. And you're triggering them, not on purpose, just by circumstance. You know, for a long time, I felt like I was death walking in the room everywhere I went. Everywhere I went, I 
felt like, you know, people w- would, you know, stand up taller. <laughs> they would be looking at me a little closer, like, are you about to fall apart right now? Uh, what should I be doing? So, I would have gravitated towards you. Right. Friend, like, this is a person I get. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Actually, you know yeah um yeah. but i know what you mean yeah you know like, you, you know what i mean and so it's like you know they get all hush hush and quiet and, and you know i've had people turn their back when they tell somebody else about what i've experienced they'll turn their back so that i can't hear them describe like you know say oh you know her daughter died and this is and i'm just like yeah dude i'm right here <laughs> i know you're not reminding me by the way um <laughs> And so it, it, it's, it, again, it's that I, I need to protect you so that people don't bring it up. Bring it up. Like, I have a whole fucking podcast about it. What is your <laughs> podcast called? Uh, it's called Grief After Dark. Okay. So Wonderful. it's not specifically about my journey, but it is about grief. And I talk with one of my longtime friends, Mickey, um, about you know just everything and we you know people are put off by the name of it is grief after dark but it's like grief after dark y'all <laughs> this, <laughs> this is what we do i love it <laughs> i think it's a great name Thank i love you. it um i could talk to you all day and i hey. hope that you'll come back um i mean i already know i we've already talked about having the ghost story or oh yes for the other podcast but um so people find you mostly through Instagram or do you have like a place where they can find you if they want to um, connect with you for grief support? Oh, okay. Well, I I do lots of things, but the the best way to get in contact with me is probably through email or Instagram. Um, Adventuresofgriefgirl at gmail.com as well and you can visit the grief after dark website where you can fill out our contact form um you can have a peek at what our episodes were about we will be dropping some maybe some random ones between now and our next season okay um so hopefully uh mickey's mickey's on vacation right now and so that means i'm on vacation right now (laughs) i like it and so I have time, like I have time right now to chit chat. I have time right now to, to do a pop-up grief group if that's, you know, something that people are interested in. And, you know, we can, we can do a lot of things. I actually am a circus artist, so kids are welcome as well. I and love we that. And we can do a lot of things with regard to working with kids with grief. I have so many resources of so many beautiful people that we can point you in the direction of. So again, I'm not the only voice. Um, what I love to do more than I love talking, which is a hell of a lot. <laughs> um, I love to share resources. I love to share other people's voices. So, um, you know, on our next season coming up, we we hope to be having conversations just like this with other people, with other artists, with other, you know, just random folks who are grieving things that are, you know, normal. Like, so. Yeah. Yeah, definitely find me. I love chit-chatting. I love, like, emails. I love emails. <laughs> when, when it, not junk emails, though. Don't be sending me no <laughs> I don't want that. I, I, if you want to have a conversation, do drop me a line and let me know. <laughs> I love that. Well, I drew a card um, from this uh, mystery deck. And I, I always draw three because I like the number three. 
He is. Um, but I was like, oh, I think this one. Um, what's your most treasured memory? Ooh. Wow. <laughs> Again, no oh. wrong answer. <laughs> Random. Jeez. I, ooh, that's a hard question. My most treasured memory regarding... It can be anything. Wow. Today... I have a lot of memories. Um, I think one of the the more treasured ones I have is is of my daughter when she first learned to walk, and it took her a long time. So three years old, we were carrying her around, and like when she took some of her first few steps, I think that sticks out really beautifully in my mind because she wanted something like she really wanted something and I had it in my hand and she walked right to me all by herself without her walker without assistance and I'm like mm-hmm, that's the one and she's a picture of resilience in my mind thank you so much thank you thank you for having me I will definitely have to come back you will absolutely <laughs> Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And we can just talk randomly, like not on a podcast too. So exactly. Anytime. <laughs> anytime. Yeah. Um, well, find D, everybody, Adventures of Grief Girl, and bye for now. Yeah, bye for now. I've got a lot of cool projects coming up, but I'm <laughs> haven't announced them yet. <laughs> well, Stay definitely tuned. share them with me so I can share yes. them with other people too. For sure, for sure. Wow. Right? <sighs> Such an important conversation. You know, because what we can do is keep reminding each other that it is okay to not be fucking okay. Whether you extract that from the wisdom of Oprah Winfrey, which, go ahead, I, I absolutely idolize her, or it's because you also are in grief, it is okay to not be okay. And holiday grief is like another layer on top of that. So if you would like to reach out to Dee, I would absolutely suggest or recommend it, support it. Um, she's amazing. And I'm so glad that she's a friend of mine now. You can find her on Instagram at Adventures of Grief Girl. And like she said, she loves email. So I think she said she's just griefgirl at gmail.com. And her podcast is called Grief After Dark. All the grief. All the grief. I love it. I love her so much. Um, this conversation really got me thinking. And I love that a couple of things that I, I heard myself say, and I was sort of like, hmm, I have to think about that. I have a lot of privilege to be able to stop everything and grieve. And in this society, in this capitalist world, we don't have the time or space that we need. And that needs to change. And so I don't mean to suggest that everyone has that privilege. I just think we need to work on how to create that, how to create more spaces where people can share their grief 
the other thing that I really was like, oh yes, that is, that's still very true. Coming out as a death worker for me was, was so strange in many ways. And this big death family and community that we're creating is really special and really beautiful and really inclusive. And so my next guest is from the Portland Death Doula Collective. Their name is Caitlin. They're queer and also a death worker like me. Um, so I look forward to sharing that conversation with you as well. If you would like to tell me your story for season two, which will be coming up soon, I'm already booking um, my guests. Please reach out to me at Strange Moon or Queer Dust Stories on Instagram. And just send me a private message. I also have the private Facebook group for Queer Dust Stories. If you're anti-racist, queer inclusive, and death positive, then please come join us on Facebook. I'm also on Twitter, so I would love to be friends with you. Because in truth, the more we connect, the better off we are. You know, to me, everything is really about chosen family and creating these communities and witnessing and taking care of each other. So I hope you're doing well. I hope you're taking good care. I'm sending a lot of love to you. Please tell your friends about my show. It means everything. Until next time, this is Moon. Lots of love.